Across the Pond Live. Super complicated. Other market is making it difficult and complicated. So complicated. Complicated is because they overthink it. Long-winded. Uh, it's just okay to have a very short and sweet answer. Inexperienced. Uh, basically, I saw an ad to make money online uh, about 10 years ago, um, and I followed through with it. Uh, didn't make any money, um, so I started looking into other things and started becoming successful with email marketing and websites. Easy going. You know, it really drives me crazy when I provide free advice to someone and then they just completely and totally blow me off. It's not not enough that I've been growing businesses since 1989. Inconsequential. It's just successes and downfalls, um, the ups and lows uh, of me becoming a successful market. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, welcome to Across the Pond Live with uh, Bradley and Simon. And uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've had a chance to sit and chat. But um, this week we're going to cover can your business go on a diet and what is lean business anyway? So just out of well, curiosity, Simon, do you, do you have any idea what we're even chatting about today? Not a clue. I haven't yeah? got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's so, actually, so, actually, so, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good though. Um, that means that means that uh, I get a chance to learn something, then you get a chance to learn something, and everyone else who's listening gets a chance to learn something. So, um, when I was in North Carolina, I was introduced into to a, a really interesting concept, and was called Lean Startup. Um, in North Carolina, I ended up facilitating a group as a favor. Uh, so, so someone in, had invited me to one of these big sort of video uh, simulcasts, right, where they do this thing across the country in multiple locations, and it's all, <coughs> it, you know, it's all, it's all these you know sort of big name speakers that they get up on the screen and they talk about this big idea, and then. Uh, you're just sort of left to do whatever you want with the big idea. <laughs> and well, at the yeah. at the <laughs> end, there was a guy who who actually set up this video thing, and he says, "Hey, you know, we want to start a lean what they call a lean startup circle inside Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, hey, is anybody interested in helping facilitate that?" And I raised my hand and I just simply said, yeah, sure, I will. I'm, I'm kind of one of the local business coaches and I'd be happy to help. Um, not knowing at all what I was trying to get myself into. <laughs> in, so, the deep, in the deep end. <laughs> I was. I was in the deep end. So uh, when, when we got started, I realized uh, what, we were, what we were really trying to do was create a, an environment that was like Shark Tank without the well, money. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so we had a bunch of business advisors, whether they be marketing advisors, operations advisors, uh, manufacturing, or other things. And they were, we were, uh, we would come together every month, and we would sit in this long table inside a <laughs> co-working facility that that uh, was at um, was in Asheville, and the entrepreneurs would come in, and they would sit at the table, and they would they would present to us what their business was, what problem they were solving, and then they would ask us big questions about how to solve uh, the next big challenge that they had in front of them. 
Right. And, and so it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. Uh, we and we saved people a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, nice. One of the and 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 it's funny how the timing of this stuff works out. Yesterday, I was inside a Facebook group and someone was asking, you know, what kind of what kind of what kind of ad should I be running to um, to get traffic to my landing page to get to a, a sort of a viral campaign and try to collect more names. And, yeah, no. and I, and, and I was remembering way back, uh, in these, in these startup circles where we would hear a lot of the same things like, well, you know, what, what, what kind of manufacturing pr- process should I use in order to, um, you know, uh, create this shirt over here or what kind of um, uh, software programming language should I use in order to create this app all way ahead of time. I mean, really, mm. really early in the process. And we used to say, wait, hold on, stop just a second. Do you even know what your customer wants? <laughs> and that's where people mess up, I think, in the beginning that, stages. They're looking too far ahead. Yeah. Before they're trying to jump before they can run. Yeah. <laughs> or, or. The, the, well, and that, and that's what I I was I was trying to work with this lady online and I was thinking, you know, it's so funny how this all sort of ties together. When my and so my advice to her she it was not what she wanted to hear i'm sure <laughs> i said look there <laughs> there are piles and piles and piles of paid ads but until you know what your audience likes there's no sense in doing any of it here's what i think you should do i'm not in your niche and she's actually she was actually in the in the woman's fitness niche i said so here's yeah. here's what i would do i would take 100 questionnaires and i would stand outside of a gym and when the yeah. when the ladies come out of the gym, I would ask them very simple questions like, "Hey, I'm interested in providing you information on how to do better inside that building. What would be the best way for me to advertise to you? TV, radio, flyers, email, uh, and you're Facebook. Kind of, you're kind of doing the the research exactly. into, the, into the niche in it there. Yeah." Exactly, yeah. exactly, and so and so I told her, I told, I told her, I said, don't and don't stop until you get a hundred answers, <laughs> right? And and for an entrepreneur, a hundred answers feels like forever. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> they've probably got to go through about three hundred people just to get them to answer the questions. <laughs> oh, at, at least, at least you're going to have <laughs> yeah. to talk. To, you're going to have to talk to a bazillion people, and for entrepreneurs, sometimes that's not comfortable, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so this some, some people wouldn't have the nerve just to approach people in the street like that, you know. For sure, for sure, As, especially knowing that that the end game is to get some feedback on how to sell something to them, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> stay away from themselves. <laughs> ex- exactly, exactly. So, um, so this whole lean thing, this lean startup. Here's the process. What you do is is you develop a list of the most important features that you can produce that give the customer the bang for the buck, right? So if let's, let's kind of give you an example. If it's a, if it's a shirt that you're trying to produce, 
then you probably come up with a sketch of a shirt and some some call outs for you know a high quality zipper and double stitching and so on and so forth. If yeah. it's software, you might have a mock up of what it looks like and what the buttons do and what the functions are. Um, if you have a service business, it might be a just a simple bullet item list of the main services someone wants to buy. Uh, if you have a, um, let's say you have a, a physical product store, it might be a list of a hundred items and you're trying to get feedback on what are the top five that people would be interested in buying, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. that's what they call the minimally viable product. They call it an MVP. It's a stupid, stupid language, but they call it an MVP. <laughs> And, and then you, so you, you create the MVP trying to get an answer to something. It's like, I have a hypothesis, I have an idea, and I'm just trying to test the idea. So you test the yeah, idea, yeah. you get feedback from the hundred or 50 or whatever. Um, I, I mm -hmm. would suggest a hundred first and then, and then you make modifications and then you move it to the next step. So that you, when you're producing whatever it is, you're going to sell the product or the service, you're pretty well convinced that the customer is going to buy it. So, yeah. you know, you don't just launch and go crazy, build out a, you know, 15 With step funnel and yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Um, and, and what, what's interesting to me is when we, we did this, uh, we, one of the things that I, I have two fun stories. One was a guy who wanted to create a carbon fiber sitar, an instrument, musical instrument, a sitar, mm -hmm. right? And the, the, the sitar, sitar is usually made out of all these natural products. And, and he came in and he says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I want to build a carbon fiber sitar. I want to sell it for about $3,000 and mm -hmm. I want to be able to, uh, to do it right, you know, right from Asheville. And we all looked at him and said, dude, that's weird, man. I mean, why, why a carbon fiber sitar? He's like, well, the fiber, you know, the carbon fiber is, is it'll travel better. It'll stay in tune and everything else. So, I mean, really cool ideas. And I yeah, said, well, yeah. on the natural thing, you know, how much, how much do they charge for a natural sitar? He says, oh, somewhere between about 150 and $300. So, so you're going to build <laughs> a carbon fiber sitar for 10 times that. And he goes, yeah. And that's why, why in the world would you do that? He says, so you would have, so you could stop buying natural sitars when they break. Like, oh, well, that's interesting. All right. Well, bucks, right? Yeah. So, so he, so, so he'd come in, you know, and, and we poo pooed the idea. I mean, we really did. We, we sort of, we tried to shoot him down and he, this guy was adamant. So, um, so he goes and, and he runs off to his house and he makes a prototype and, and the prototype bombs. And then he, and he does another prototype, then another prototype, and then another prototype. About four into it, he finally figured out the manufacturing process. It takes him like three months to make one sitar. And, but, but now, now he's the number one selling carbon fiber sitar in the world. And he's booked for like three years making Jesus. carbon fiber sitars out of his garage. And it all starts from an idea, doesn't it, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. And we thought he was crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, but in the craziness, we were trying to refine a little bit of you know what he was doing. And, and at the end, uh, his wife was a, is a marketer. She, she does graphic design and other things. And his mm -hmm. wife had come and said, you know, I, we really appreciate you guys pushing back because it focused the marketing effort 
on how to properly sell the product. And, and we got him out in front of the target market early enough as the expert, because he's a PhD in music and he plays like 15 yeah. different yeah. instruments and all this other stuff. And now all of a sudden, everyone's looking to him for this really cool device. So, I so mean, you kind of you kind of found his direct audience and sold them exactly what they wanted. Yeah, well, and that was Sorry, yeah, that, and yeah. that was part of the feedback was was let's talk to. I mean, he he plays a, a, a sitar, so he he understands w- what it is to be the player. But yeah. for those folks that are are willing to buy the three thousand dollar sitar, what does that mean? Does that mean they want it to look pretty or just sound great? or be super lightweight or you know what does it mean and they match the marketing message to what they were hearing back from the audience and it was amazing and clever really clever yeah and because like you say because he's a player of that instrument he knows exactly what what it is really like the sound the the look the feel you know um to get it out to the audience he can actually answer it because he's the expert in it yeah, and, and but he still needed to ask because um, he didn't believe. I'll give you a really good example. He didn't believe that inlays, graphic inlays, or or the the sort of prettiness, the the beauty of the instrument was as important as the sound of it. Yeah, when he was first crafting them, and so he hadn't ever considered any of that. And uh, what he decided to do was do a mid-level uh, a priced sitar with very little embellishments and then a high-end sitar with a lot of embellishments. And the, yeah, high, and the high end sold more than the low end or the, the mid-end. Cool. Mid um, nice. Yeah, so, so that research helped, and he learned an awful lot about the people who wanted to buy it in the process. Um, there's another one that that we saved about twenty thousand dollars in software development. That that's kind of a fun story too. Uh, a guy had wandered in and said, oh, "I've got this really great idea. This uh, Asheville, North Carolina, is Beer USA. I think it's a really fantastic place for us to start this concept of uh, having an app on your smartphone that tells you which of the microbreweries in town have which microbrews on tap." So that, you know, as a beer enthusiast, you could go and figure out, um, well, tonight I'm going to go to this place because they have this thing on tap. Nice. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, everyone's thinking, oh, this is a really good idea. Um, he, he's he got a developer on board. He's got a contract uh, for about 40 grand in the software development and uh, the, about 20 grand had almost been spent. And he came in and said, you know, I'm I, here. Here's where I'm having some issues. I'm having some issues trying to understand how to uh, effectively use the last 20 grand I have in my budget so that I get the product out and it just goes, you know, absolutely crazy. And so, yeah, it, yeah. so we asked him, you know, well, what's the biggest challenge right now? And he says, what do you mean? And I said, well, what, what? What would stop anyone from using it? And what's that sort of process look like? And, and he says, you know. We really have to rely on either we have to rely on the on the bartender to tell us what's what's in, and I said, well, how do you how do you find out at least what the options are? And he says, I don't know, and I said, well, there's got to be a distributor in town that you know that that takes all this stuff from place to place to place and places it. So yeah. you know maybe if you could talk to the distributor and get get the list, 
of what's I think in. we call we called it a, a brewery over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we and and over and over here we have we have a we have a series of breweries, but we have someone who collects kegs of beer from the microbreweries and redis- yeah, redistributes yeah. out to the bars. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, um, so the, in the distributor, the distributor actually has a list, right? He knows what's been placed where. So if you could work with a distributor and get, you know, make it, make it something that's easy for him to use and, uh, gives him some sort of, I don't know, some sort of feedback on what, showing him where the, where the beer is being sold, isn't it? it really? Yeah. And, exactly. It's pushing for that research again, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> Yep, and that and it's all, all about that research <laughs> for sure, for sure. And and he and he was thinking, well, yeah. I mean, if if I work with the distributor, I could actually tell them from the app what the most most popular beers are. He can then adjust how he tries to sell or what he's selling at a time, right? So so this entrepreneur got to got to thinking, hey, this is pretty clever, right? I I could now work with someone who has the information who's already connected to the microbreweries and give them value inf- valuable information back so that they know what to sell and it's sort of a win-win and where to sell it and everything and yeah it, yeah so and so he that ran a- can direct everyone where they need to go <laughs> exactly for, and, and, for their favorite beer <laughs> for sure absolutely right. and so he, idea. <laughs> so he so he runs off and he goes and he talks to the distributors and he figures out how to get the list and he's got his programmers putting it in you know into the into the software and then he comes back to the group and he says okay now i got another problem i go <laughs> okay what's the other problem he goes um i can't figure out who to give it to in the store or in the in the in the bar do i give it to the bartender do i give it to the owner do i give it to the hostess what who do i give access to so that um i can get information back from the microbrewery on what's actually selling and uh, what what's actually been delivered right we know in general the whole area what what's available but we don't know exactly when it's going to be put on tap Right, it's sitting in a yeah, sitting, yeah. you know, on the floor somewhere, and then it'll be tapped. And when the when the keg is tapped, that's when we want to be able to tell everyone, "Hey, look, we just tapped this this particular keg over here, and you can go get it." And he says, "You know, I just don't, I don't know how to do that." And so we we actually asked him, "Well, uh, what kind of information he needed?" He says, "You know, I just need, I just need someone to tell me what got tapped and and when." I said, oh, all yeah. right. Well, can they can they call you? And he says, yeah, I guess they could call. I said, can they send you a text message? Yeah, I guess they could. Um, <laughs> could they, you know, get on a computer and do it? Yeah, I guess they could. I said, well, which of those behaviors is more in line with the software you want to develop? He says, well, since it's on a smartphone, I want to be able to give one version of the software to the people who own the brewery or the the tap room and the other to the customer. So it would be on their smartphone. So if they could either call me or text me, then that would be great. I said, well, why don't you go around and find 10 microbreweries in town that would participate with you and ask them once they tap something to send you a text message or give you a call. And he goes, oh, yeah. It could link that straight into the app, probably. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, he says, I was trying to get I was trying to get all the way to the final solution. I said, Yeah, but you have to figure out whether or not that that behavior you want is is really what they're gonna do. And he says, Yeah, okay. No, I, I get it. I get it. And so <laughs> he ran out 
and he did his thing. And he came back about a month later, and he says, you know what? I really appreciate it. All of you guys, when, when, as soon as I started asking questions, I really slowed the development down. We started being very, very precise in what we were doing. And he says, would you, would you know that nobody at the bar has time to tell me what they just tapped? <laughs> and I said, I said, really? And he says, yeah, you know what would have happened? I would have spent $20,000 on software nobody would use. And I said, you're kidding. And he goes, no, no, no. So what we decided to do was just work with the manufacturer and suggest what the, what the beers in the region were and provide a short list of possible locations. And then when someone as a customer finds it on the menu, they can get points by telling us what's on the menu. Ah, clever. So, (laughs) yeah. So, so where they thought they were going with the software and where they ended up two completely different places. And we saved them about 20 grand because they didn't go and waste the, the time and energy doing something that the user would never do. So, that was a, a success, but yeah, also kind I, of frustrating. I suppose the end, the end user just wants to kind of have their beer, didn't I? That's <laughs> at a, the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, that's exact. That's exactly right. And if you and you know, if you're an enthusiast and you can tell your friends that one of your favorite beers is in a certain place, or you can say, "Hey, found it first, right? And you could kind of gamify yeah. that process. You you get the end result that you need to help the other customers and you don't have to bother the bartender or the, or the hostess or the owner of the store. So, um, yeah. super interesting. Yeah, ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. But that, that's what it is. And so when you talk about, you know, doing stuff in affiliate marketing, doing stuff, uh, physical goods, PLR services online or whatever, it all applies directly to what we've been talking about for weeks right is to yeah. to test 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 so that you yeah, don't like go research and test it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean can you can you think of of times where you've gone off the deep end one direction and realized months later man i wasted a whole bunch of time and energy doing that cuz it doesn't work many many times <laughs> many times <laughs> uh, one of my my faults really uh, in the very beginning was research um, I didn't really pay much attention to it. Um, I kind of see something and I think, oh, yeah, that looks right. Oh, I'll, I'll do something for that. I'll build a website or I'll write a book and blah, blah, blah. And then 10 months down the line, it's sitting there doing nothing. <sighs> because I didn't research it, you know? Yeah. I didn't realize what the audience were. I didn't realize what the customer wanted, um, what the offers were. Um, and... You know, you end up going down that road 10 months later, you think, well, I've spent like X, XYZ on domain hosting, whatever you, you know, and then you're just wasting your time. Yeah. Because it's something people didn't want or it's just, you know, it's just nothing there. There's no, there's no niche. There's no market in that, you know, thing that you haven't researched properly. You've got to drill down, like you say, and look at it from different angles different processes of, of drilling down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And- I mean, I'm, I've just started writing a new book now, Brad, uh, for, uh, it's about email marketing, uh, a seven day funnel. Um, and when I first thought of it, 
Um, I posted a, a little funnel picture that I, I made up, like a template, like a flow diagram, and I posted it in a in a Facebook group, and people seemed to enjoy it. They liked it, so I've decided I've sort of researched a little bit into it, and there is such a market at the moment for funnels and funnel builders, and just the way people build these funnels. People like it easy. They like to go, right, page one, done. Page two, done. Couple yeah. of clicks, couple of this, couple of that, and the page is done. They put their images on it. They put a few bullet points. It's done. Right. They think they're auto respond to form. It's done. Right. Thank you, page. Maybe a little video. It's simple. Yeah. But it's how that funnel works. People don't know. People don't realize. Right. Of how you build that funnel, especially within email marketing, of the process of, you know, the one thing that people do that I believe is, is going out of the market is you sign someone up to a list and that, that redirect from that form. The moment they opt in, they are redirecting to a sales page. Yeah. <laughs> it's not working because people don't know who you are. Right. And, yeah, out of, you know, 100 clicks – you may get one, right. you may get two. Yeah, maybe. But people don't know who you are. They're not converting on that point anymore. You know, five years ago, yeah, people were loving it. Right. You know, you might get five, six, seven sales on a, on a page like that. But now what you have to do, in my eyes, what I believe, is you need to direct them to a thank you page, put you on that thank you page in a little video saying, thanks for subscribing, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to help you to do. Yeah. Bang. That's the first step, building a relationship. Right. Then you can link on that page to an offer um, with, a, with a button. You know, check this this offer out. This will help you do X, Y, Z. And you may get extra sales that way. And then, you know, you push it out like that and, and show people who you are. Show them how you're going to help them. That's where the process is, and that's what I'm putting into my book, Right now, this week, I've just started. I'm on about three chapters so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And and what as you were describing it, um, I was thinking in my own mind, there's a substantial difference in the way people market online now and the way uh, traditional direct response marketing has been done, right? Direct response marketing has been done in the past where generally you have uh, a, a sales letter or an introductory letter, uh, an article in the newspaper, or something like that, an advertorial kind of uh, write-up that gives someone yeah. a story that talks about the difficulties someone had, uh, the challenges that were ahead, what they what they themselves did in order to solve it, and provides them an entryway into being able to get more information about that, right? So the relationship started when they received the letter or read the advertorial. But nowadays, squeeze pages and and, and uh, forms online to collect email addresses are, are a headline yep. and a subheadline. There's no story. There's no emotion. There's no connection. And, yeah. and, and what, what you're saying is you need the story. You need to understand why you should trust someone before you're willing to give them the cash and before and you could do that in that long form letter process before 
where you're, you're yeah, just yeah. not able to do it uh, as quickly these days. And yeah, you can collect email addresses, but they don't buy a lot until they know who you are and what you're what you're willing to do for them to to help them succeed, right? That's right. Yeah, because you know they don't know who you are. You know they're coming from Facebook. They're coming from Twitter. You know wherever you're advertising, all over the internet. They don't know who you are. Yeah. Why would they buy from you without knowing who you are? I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, and that's where you've got to build that relationship. Yeah. Exactly. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think I think we should stop the episode right there. That's a per- perfect place to land. So Sounds uh, good to me, mate. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Take care. I think we're going on to affiliate marketing next week. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. So kinda, is aff- kinda leads into that's it, right. <laughs> is affiliate marketing legit? Right. That's the one. All right. Cool. <laughs> we'll we'll we'll, we'll show, mate. All right. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Across the Pond Live. To get instant access to Bradley and Simon's exclusive digital business success starter kit, which is going to lead you by the hand to skyrocket your digital business. And if you act fast, you will even get your very own world-class email marketing platform. Just head on over to acrossthepond.live.